chapter 4 in the book of Ruth is a book just following Judges and just before 1 Samuel. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, some of the scriptures I read will come up on the screen. Uh, but in the middle of this series, we've been preaching a series, Adversity and Redemption, and uh, just preaching through the book of Ruth the last three weeks. And so we're finishing this sermon series, uh, Adversity and Redemption, and the first sermon I preached was specifically about repentance. And in the first chapter of Ruth, Naomi repented of the decision that their family made to uh, leave Bethlehem, the people of God, and to go to uh, Moab, where it looked like the appearance was it was a little bit better over there. Moab was not enduring the famine that Bethlehem was going through. And so she chose to leave, they chose to leave Bethlehem to go to Moab. Uh, And in Moab, they suffered loss. They lost their, she lost her husband, she lost her two sons, and uh, lost an inheritance back in Bethlehem with the loss of those, the husband and two sons. And she repented of that decision in in a form, and returning to Bethlehem was an act of turning back to the people of God, turning back to where God was at and what God was working and the will of God in her life. And so she repented, returned to Bethlehem, returned back to God's people, returned back to what God was blessing, and returned back to a season of harvest. And any time that we repent, we often think about repentance as being a negative thing, that we've done something wrong, we have to go ask for forgiveness. But repentance in Scripture is always positive. It's always a positive thing because at any time we can repent and return to God and He is just and righteous and He is right to forgive us. He will forgive us our sins. Amen. So the second sermon I preached was about God seeing us. While Ruth was struggling to make make all of the ends meet and work in the field, The kinsman redeemer took notice of her, and he noticed her in the field even without her realizing that he had noticed her and he had heard of the things that she had done for her mother-in-law. And my point of the sermon was this, that while you're busy and you think no one sees what you're going through, no one sees the struggle that you're in, God sees you. The redeemer sees you. And then last week I preached finding the rest that you need Naomi asked Ruth, how can I help you to find rest? And she was just pointing out that what she needed was a rest from the struggle. She needed security from the struggle. She needed a home that would bring her security and be a refuge. What she needed was rest from the struggles of life. And so the kinsman redeemer was the answer. And she pointed to Boaz and she said, "Uh, is not Boaz one of our relatives? Is not Boaz one who can play the kinsman redeemer? And the kinsman redeemer is always the answer. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and and need rest, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. And the rest he offers is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 28, 11 through 12 says, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. So if you need rest, you need refreshing, that's found in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's the experience that God 
intends for all believers to have, every one of us. It's not a pick and choose thing. It is for all, all who will ask. Amen. So today, I want to preach to you on restoration and elevation. Restoration and elevation. The kinsman redeemer has the power to redeem what has been lost, but only if there's one thing, and that is relationship. There has to be relationship. And here's the interest of the Redeemer. Naomi and Ruth, upon returning to Bethlehem as widows, uh, as we discussed last week and the first week, they have no rights. They have no authority uh, in their lives to retain the inheritance. Without a husband, at that time, the law stated that the property had to be sold because land and property was only to be held in the husband's name or the father's name. And so without the ability to secure the land, the land had to be sold. But the law allowed that for a kinsman, someone who was a relative who was able and had the means and could marry the widow, then they could produce an heir and the heir would be the one to inherit the land in the name of the deceased husband. That's how the law worked. So Ruth 4, 1 through 4, as we've went through the book of Ruth, brings us to this point. Boaz goes up to the gate. We left off in Ruth chapter 3 where uh, he was going to go and uh, talk to the nearest kinsman and let him know that this was a situation that need redeeming. And so Boaz goes up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So Naomi comes back, and she has to sell the land, and the only answer is the nearest of kin. And so this near kin, one closer than Boaz even, he says, I'll redeem the land. He's interested in what Boaz is proposing. But in the mind of this man, what he would be marrying Naomi for and for the land, receiving that land, he said, I'll redeem it. I'll redeem it. It sounds like a good deal. But as we read on, what we find out is this. He finds out that he's not going to be marrying Naomi, but instead he would be marrying Ruth. He becomes less interested. He's not as interested in this Moabite woman. Verse 5 says, Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate, 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 perpetrate, perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself for I cannot redeem it. What was the problem? 
when the relative learns that Ruth is the Moabite, and notice specifically that Boaz throws in there, Ruth the Moabitess. He was kind of dangling it out there of like, hey, this is not one of our people. This is a Moabite woman. She's a Gentile. He becomes the kin folk, the, the nearest of kin becomes less interested in redeeming and becoming the redeemer. He was interested in the property. But the problem was he was not interested in the person that he would have to marry with the property. So maybe it was that he saw too much baggage with Ruth, a Moabite woman. Maybe it was that she was a Gentile and that he wasn't okay with that. The scripture doesn't really say what the issue was. It just says that as Boaz described the situation, he had an interest and then all of a sudden when he finds out there's Ruth involved, he's not so interested. He says, you redeem it for yourself. You be the redeemer. You become the one to marry this woman. He was not interested in marrying Ruth and carrying on the name of the dead husband, but he was interested in the land. And that's interesting because you think about some people are interested in you as long as there's a benefit to them. He was really saying, well, what's in it for me? If I'm getting the land, I can, I can marry Naomi. I would do that and get the land. But when he finds out there's another woman, Ruth, involved, he says, well, I don't think I can do that. You secure it. But Boaz is distinctly different. Boaz has an interest in Ruth. He's not interested so much in the land. The land is just a byproduct that comes with Ruth. But his interest is in Ruth. His desire is for Ruth. It's about her and not about the property. Aren't you thankful that the Lord is not asking, what do you have that I want? He's not asking, what are they bringing to the table? Instead, he's looking at us and he's not saying, what's in it for me? But he's saying, I love them. I have an interest in them. I want to redeem them. I want to do a work for them. He's not interested in what you bring. He's interested in what he can do for you. He wants to elevate you. The Redeemer is interested in you. And people all the time will ask, well, why why does the Lord love me? Because he loves you. There's no really any other explanation. Why does God love us? Because he loves us. Why does God, what have I done to get his favor? He just says, if you'll come to me, if you'll obey, if you'll follow, that's it. There's nothing special about it. He just says, I see someone that I can redeem and that I can receive, and that is what he's all about. He loves us because he loves us because he loves us because he loves us because he loves us. It goes no further than that right there. He has seen what humanity is. He knows about your brokenness. He knows about your problems. He knows about your lies. He knows about what you don't want anyone else to know about. Yet he still loves you. It's not about the field. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's just simply about the fact that he loves you. What's interesting about this love and about this relationship, that if we enter into 
the relationship and the covenant that we can have with the Lord. There are results that come only from having a relationship with the kinsman redeemer. Ruth 4 and 11, the men of the city accept that Boaz is going to marry Ruth and redeem the land and redeem Naomi and Ruth. And it says, all the people who were at the gate, the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Notice that Ruth is a Moabite. She is a Gentile. She is an outsider. But immediately upon her relationship being witnessed in a, in a sense that the covenant is being entered into, immediately her status is elevated just because she has a relationship with the kinsman redeemer. Before she's the outsider. Before she has no place with the people of God. Before she can't hold the property. Before she's not able to do anything for herself except for struggle and survive. But because she goes into a relationship with the kinsman redeemer, the people witness this situation and they say, may she be blessed just like Rachel and Leah. Women who were known of renown for laying a foundation of what Israel would become. All of a sudden, she has status, she has place. She's not just the Gentile Moabite woman, but she is Ruth, this woman who would be compared to Rachel and Leah. She becomes prominent in the history of Israel. What's interesting is the book of Ruth opens with loss. They're forced to sell the land inherited in Bethlehem. But the book closes with redemption of the land. It's a restoration of status among the people of Bethlehem. Ruth 4:13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and when he went in to her the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. You know what a son represented? Anytime you see children mentioned in scripture what it represents is the future. One of the things God hated about Israel turning away from his from his will and sacrificing their children to Moloch was that they were sacrificing their future. The promise that he had given to Abraham. And whenever we surrender some things to this world and to the enemy, what we're giving up is we're giving up our future with God. We're giving up promises that he has given to us. That's why God hates so much for us to turn our back on his will in our life. And so this son represented security for the future. Even though Boaz was the father, legally the child becomes the son of Malon, the the husband that was lost, and becomes the grandson of Elimelech, the husband that was lost. A son becomes the future, but represents the restoration of the past. But it only happens... If there's a relationship with the Redeemer. Because a relationship with the Redeemer produces restoration of what has been lost. That's why the Lord could say to Israel, I will redeem and I will restore (coughs) what the canker worm has taken. He said the years that have been lost, I will restore. And a relationship produces a secured future. 
I don't have to worry about what tomorrow brings because I have a redeemer. I have a secure future. I don't have to worry about next month, next year, the year after that because I have a secure future. The book of Ruth opens with a list of men who died, Elimelech, Malon, Chilion, and then it ends with a list of men who would be born, the last mentioned being the great king of David. And I'm telling you, only a future, only fruit, only the promise of children, only the promise of production in the future comes out of the relationship with a redeemer. And the Lord is not interested in what you can do for him. He is interested in you. Give him the opportunity and he'll restore whatever you've lost. Give him the opportunity and he'll elevate your life. Give him the opportunity, he'll secure your future. Give him the opportunity and he will redeem everything that the enemy has taken from you. But you have to give him opportunity. You have to enter into a relationship with him. Boaz, as we've discussed throughout this series, has been an Old Testament type of Jesus Christ, the kinsman redeemer. But instead of purchasing our inheritance with money, Jesus Christ purchased what was lost, lost with his own blood. Hebrews 9, 11 through 15 says this, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He paid the price with his own blood. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of, hef of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator. Pay attention to this. He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive what? The promise of the internal inheritance. So he did it all so that you and I could have an inheritance. He did it all so that you and I could have restored what was lost. What was lost in, uh, in Genesis. What was lost after Adam and Eve sinned. What was lost after man continued in sin. He did it all. And once with his blood, he obtained eternal redemption. And he's now the mediator for the redemption of those who are called, may that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Ephesians 1 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1 11 through 14 goes on and says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the truth 
the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You know what all of that says? It says, what was lost, he paid the price with his blood so that it would be redeemed and he has now sealed us with his spirit so that whenever it is redeemed, we can inherit the promise, the purchased possession. He says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance. I love that phrasing. You go and you purchase something, what do they often often offer? They'll say, do you, you want the warranty with that? You want security with that? You want to make sure, you know, go home and register your warranty. Your guarantee. He says, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Which inheritance? The inheritance of redemption of the purchased possession. What? The eternal inheritance. So have you received your guarantee of the inheritance he has for you? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It comes out of a relationship with the kinsman redeemer. And in that kinsman-redeemer relationship, there are many promises. So many promises that you can't hardly line them up. There are whole books dedicated to the promises of Scripture. Promises for fathers, promises for sons, promises for husbands, promises for wives, promises for mothers, promises for daughters. I'm sure you've seen those promise books around. Every one of those promises are fulfilled out of the relationship with the kinsman redeemer. And out of the relationship of the kinsman redeemer comes a secure future. Comes a restoration of what was lost. Comes a redemption of the inheritance. Well, I know you like me, you want to be secure. You want to know without a shadow of a doubt that you have a guarantee. I'm telling you today, there's a way that you can know that goes beyond some preacher just telling you, write down the day that you believed and you look back and remember it on days you have doubts. It goes beyond just saying, do you remember that one time that you just felt like you felt the presence of God? It goes beyond all of that. It comes down to having the Spirit of God poured out on your life and having an experience that every time you look back, you say, I remember that particular experience. I remember something supernatural happening to me. Man can't give it. It's not based in emotion. It's not based on anything else other than faith and I ask and I receive. God is the giver of that promise and that promise seals you with the Spirit. Guarantee 
of our inheritance until the redemption. Until the redemption. Praise God. If you'll stand with me. I don't know what the enemy has taken from you. I don't know what life has taken from you. I don't know the struggle that has gotten you to here. If I've learned anything in a few years of pastoring, what I have learned is that you never know the full story. And slowly and slowly as people trust me, I've learned that they'll start to slowly peel things back of their experience of life and things that have happened to them. And what I learn is I just learned I never know the full story. And there's always something someone has lost or they've endured or they struggled with. Or, and there are things in here, if you looked around this room, there are things that you do not know about people that they went through, that they suffered, that life brought to them or the enemy brought to them or their own decisions brought in their own life. And I say, I, I, I don't care about those things. And what I mean by I don't care about it doesn't mean I don't empathize. What it means is we know a Redeemer that all that was lost, all of the things that were sold away, all of the losses of people, the losses of experience, the losses of life, He is able to restore interesting Naomi returns back to Bethlehem and she says don't call me Naomi Naomi means pleasant call me Mara bitter because God has dealt bitterly with me he's allowed some things in my life that have made me bitter at the end of Ruth the women of the city look at her and Ruth has had the child Obed and Naomi is holding, comforting the baby, Obed. And the women of the city say, look, God has blessed Naomi and has given her a son. Did it replace Malon and Chilion? No. She still lost two sons. But it was a picture of the blessings of God that from that point forward going on, there was a generation after generation, there was going to be blessing and blessing and blessing to the point where King David is included in that lineage. You go to Matthew chapter 1 and you look and it goes through and it mentions Boaz and it says uh, Obed, the son of Boaz, whom Ruth brought to Boaz. Ruth is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is pointing out and directing all of our attention to say, look, I'm a redeemer. Just like Boaz redeemed this family and Ruth was included into the history of Israel, I'm a redeemer. I'll give you a place. I'll give you the status you want. I'll put everything that you've lost back in order. I'll have blessings and secure your future going forward if you just get into a redeemer relationship.
get into a relationship with the Redeemer. Aren't you thankful for the Redeemer that we have? Why don't we take a moment before we end our service and let the Spirit of God minister to us and speak to us. Somebody here, you've been wrestling been wrestling with all of the things that you feel like you've lost through your own decision, through the things that life have brought to you. I want to tell you today, there's a God that is bigger than all of those things who is a redeemer and can redeem what is lost and can guarantee you an inheritance in the future and can put blessings in your future that as you walk, there's fruit, there's a harvest, there are all of the things that you need in your life to sustain you as you work and move toward that inheritance in the future. He has a promise for you.